Hello everybody and welcome to the first full-length episode of the Sex, Sleep and Red Meat podcast. If you haven't already, then please do go back and have a look at my introductory episode, which was released last month. This should give you a little introduction as to why I started the podcast, whereas today we're going to delve straight into the first topic. I'm certainly starting off today just about as controversial as possible. I'm not holding back and I never will in this podcast and I want that message to ring true, which I certainly think it will after this. But I'm hoping to address in this first episode a couple of the things that are most important to me when it comes to driving this podcast forward. Thinking about government control, about fear, and about personal responsibility. So starting off bold and strong, as I mean to go on, (laughs) I am gonna be talking about why being fat is holding you back and it's holding back the rest of us too. Why fear is tearing you apart from the inside out and most importantly, why these two things together are so detrimental to you as an individual, but to the nation. Why they make us so easily controlled and manipulated. And why is it important for us to understand why we're so easily controlled? Well, how on earth can I ask you to move forward thinking for yourself and taking personal responsibility if you don't understand what it was in the first place that was keeping you so attached and so controlled and manipulated by the media and the organizations around you. There are two things that make you far easier to control, fear and poor health. I suppose both can be described as states of being. Fear is, of course, an emotion, but being the strongest human emotion, when plagued by it, it can most certainly be described as the state in which you exist. And to be in poor health, physically and or mentally, is also a negative and all-consuming way in which to live. A state of being. Now, I'm not going to sit here throughout this episode and pretend that I am the healthiest person in the world right now. Especially after Christmas. And that I don't have changes that I need to make this year to my fitness and to my diet to improve it. I do. And even to improve my mental health. There are things that I would like to do this year. But overall, it's pretty damn good. I'm pretty happy, I'm pretty healthy, and that hasn't always been the case. There are always changes that we can all be making as individuals to improve ourselves further. And we all go through a roller coaster in our lives where we have ups and downs, and that affects our physical and our mental health in varying different ways. There are very few people in the world that can sit there and say that they're at their absolute peak fitness level possible and that they have the best diet and they don't have any cheat days and they never take pauses in their perfect regime. Perhaps a few of the world's most successful Olympic athletes, yes, but not the average person like you and I. But that doesn't mean that you can't be healthy overall and doing the most you can for yourself. It's very easy to recognize when you're unhealthy and especially when it's showing from the outside. So when you're extremely overweight, you're obese and it doesn't matter what anyone says, 
if you're obese, you are unhealthy. You are extremely unhealthy at that stage and you need to do something about it. We have a worldwide issue with obesity, but even just the epidemic scale in the UK now should be all it takes for us to realize that changes are needed on a massive scale and simply put, weight needs to be lost. I'm the bad guy for saying that, I know, but I have been obese. Actually, only a couple of years ago, I had an extremely high BMI, high body fat percentage, and I just looked shit, to be honest. <laughs> um, by almost all factors, I was extremely unhealthy, and especially for such a young age, you really don't wanna be that unhealthy at such a young age. And it was affecting me massively mentally, which I probably underestimated at the time. I didn't realize how small steps physically would have such a huge impact mentally. Um, and I wouldn't have to do loads of additional work on my mental well-being. Actually, just the physical steps in themselves had huge effects, like taking much more time to exercise, spending time in nature during that process. It just immediately has an effect and you have to put, I didn't have to put extra effort into my mental health then. Reflecting on it, I don't actually know how I survived at that stage and how I was going through all of it. My mental health was in the pits at the very start and it really took me recognizing that I wasn't gonna be able to improve that unless I improved my physical health. I wasn't willing, I'd already gone past the stage of being willing to take antidepressants or medications like that at that stage and so I knew I needed to do something else um, and it needed to be my action. I couldn't be dependent on a drug or dependent on um, a therapist or dependent on anyone else. It needed to be me. And now it's actually very trendy nowadays to talk about mental health and that's a really good thing. I am not criticizing that for a moment. I think it's brilliant that we have, we're kind of establishing a society in which it's brave and not shameful to talk about your mental health openly. It's really important that we do that. And people are starting to view their mental health as equally as physical health has always been in the past. But I think that's the issue now. People don't actually view their physical health as a priority like many used to. And so how can we expect people to start putting their mental health first when saying, oh, it's just as important as your physical health, when their physical health isn't a priority in the first place? If your physical health isn't a top priority and we're trying to compare your mental health to that, then it's counterproductive and doesn't actually achieve anything. We need to remind people how important their health is full stop, both mental or physical. They go together and we just need to remind people of the word health and that it's all encompassing of both and the many arms and legs that both physical and mental health um, contain. Now, this episode isn't for me to talk about how you can improve your health and why you should. I will be venturing into that at a later stage. I'm absolutely certain of that. But in the meantime, I'm also very happy to point you in the direction of some awesome voices and podcasts that discuss these issues and towards people that are experts in nutrition and fitness and similar fields. If you can't wait for me to come out with some episodes or two collaborating with people like that. For now, the point of this episode is merely for me to explain why being unhealthy makes you so much easier to control. And that's my reason for telling you that being unhealthy is such an awful thing. We'll look at it from the health kind of perspective in your body later, but I just want to talk about control. 
and why health really ties into the narrative of fear-mongering and government overreach as a result. And as such, why it makes us as a populace so much easier to manipulate by governments, organisations, the media. They want you to be unhealthy and they want you to be unhealthy because you are easier to control that way. And also you make them more money. (laughs) There's that. Money makes the world go around. So that's a factor too. And I will come to that. We will come back to that. Specifically when discussing the pharmaceutical industry. That's a big one. (laughs) Anyway, why are you easier to control if you're unhealthy? There's three or four reasons that I'm going to go through here. Number one is fatigue. General tiredness is going to affect you massively when you're unhealthy. And it's going to affect your ability to work. You're not going to have the same drive to provide for yourself and perhaps for your family, if that's how your setup is. You're going to be disengaged. When you're tired, it's really hard to focus. And so much is impacted when you're in a state of just general fatigue. And no amount of sleep is going to improve that if your health is affected in other ways. Second point, social interactions. Now this one is a little bit harder to explain. I'm coming at this from the biological perspective of your fertility as well. So our fertility is heavily impacted. This goes for both men and women, by the way, is heavily impacted by our general health. And if you're not healthy, you're not going to be in a state to reproduce. Some people might be thinking I'm too young or old to care about this, but you will or will have cared about this at some point in your life. The way you're attracted to others is also affected by this. If you're really unhealthy, you won't be releasing pheromones and sex hormones in the same way. You'll notice a decreased libido often, um, and you just won't be in the state to reproduce and some people are going to say this one doesn't really affect me but it should it's also going to affect the way you're perceived socially if you look physically unhealthy you have huge bags under your eyes you have fat on every part of your body it's going to affect the way people perceive you and it's going to affect the way they perceive you in terms of desirability for a relationship but also professionally There's a lot of studies to back this up, guys. I don't want to say this because I want to be mean, but it's true. Fatter people struggle with interview outcomes in the workplace. It does affect the way people perceive us massively. Thirdly, we've got stress. We all know that stress is just about one of the worst things for our health. So it's basically a negative loop. This is just a never-ending one. If you're physically unhealthy, it's going to affect your mental health. You're going to be more stressed. Then you're going to feel weaker because you're stressed. And stress affects your physical health. And it's just a spiral. And that spiral just makes us useless. It makes us uninterested in the world and life. You lose your passion. You lose control of your mental health. And that can be where people fall into really awful suicidal states obviously this might seem like it's a bit more on the extreme end but when you look at the amount of people that are contemplating suicide especially nowadays in our modern world 
it's clearly not as rare as you might think. Now, finally, ultimately, if you're in very poor health, you are dependent on the state. Now in the UK with the NHS, this is entirely true. Slightly different in countries with more privatized healthcare systems. But here, unless you're of a very financially comfortable situation um, and you're able to invest in private healthcare and insurance, which only a very small proportion of this country can and does do, you are reliant on government services to survive. This is something that most people only realize when there's an emergency and they need emergency care to keep them alive. But if you are on a regular medication that your body would not be able to function without one way or another, you wouldn't be able to go about your daily life as well, then you're completely dependent on the state and on the government because the NHS is run by the state. And therefore, they have a massive monopoly over you by knowing this. You fear a reality without those services because you could die. And the government can use this against us. And that does bring me into the second part of the discussion, which is really about what makes you even easier to control than poor health. It's the fear. Now, they'd go together. There's a reason I picked these two things out and they are intrinsically linked. You can't separate one from the other. Um, I think I've just managed to prove that by saying you could die without those healthcare services it all comes down to you then being really fearful when you know that, when you realize that, you're gonna be terrified. And the more fearful you are, the easier you are to control because fear shuts off the rational, logical thinking part of our brains. Now, look, we all pick and choose what we do to better our health and what we don't do what things we do to kind of counteract those positive actions. I know so many people who are in the gym day in, day out. They're working out really hard. They're spending hours there. They're really improving their physical fitness. They're working on their strength, all the rest of it. But they also spend almost every night drinking or at least Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. We all know Thursday is the new Friday here, certainly in London anyway. But these people will be drinking alcohol and a lot of it. Cans and cans of beer, bottles and bottles of cider or wine, cocktails full of sugar. We're all guilty of it. Um, anyone that drinks is guilty of that at times. You'll get on a new diet, you'll feel really committed to it and you'll feel it improving, but you'll still go and have the really sugary, really high alcohol drinks. And I guess a lot of that is because alcohol forms such a huge part of social interaction. Certainly when you live in a city, um, if you work in an office and in situations like that, it especially does. And I'm also not suggesting that the presence of these things, of alcohol, or if it's more illicit substances, whatever it might be for you, it's not to say that these sh things should be entirely removed and you should be sober from all of it. If that gives you joy, that's important. Joy in life is really important. And if those things bring you that and help you to de-stress and relax at times, that's important because stress is so awful for you in itself. But when they become your only coping mechanism and when they take over from your other commitments and they stop you from losing weight because those extra calories take you over your maintenance or whatever it might be, then that's a different story. Now, a much more significant 
and shocking example of this, of the kind of irony of actions taken to improve and then to worsen one's health that are counterproductive. And this is one where the government's control over people really shows. And this is why I wanted to bring it up. And the people that do this, they can't see it. You know, most people will treat themselves to a dessert and go, oh, I shouldn't, how naughty. They can recognise it. And therefore you can help stop it becoming a big deal. You can have it as a treat. And that's wonderful. But these people don't see the hypocrisy of their actions. People that did this throughout the pandemic of the last two, three years, and many still do, they really can't see how ironic their actions appear. No, these people, they are stupid to the naked eye. I don't have a nice way to put it. You might disagree, and I, as I have already said, I want disagreement and I want to facilitate discussion more than anything. But I'm going to put my opinion out there. How many people did you see during lockdown wearing masks and going into fast food outlets, going into McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, whatever it might be, getting their one pound burger of crap? I don't actually know what's in those things and I don't really want to know. I don't eat fast food as a general rule. If I'm going to treat myself, I'll have a homemade pizza or something. So much nicer and so much healthier too, but not least because I know what's in it. I will be a snob about fast food until the day I die. That is one thing I will be such a snob about. I am so grateful my parents brought me up without it because I have never felt the desire to go into a fast food outlet and shove my face with that food. Yeah, everyone wants the odd takeaway sometimes, but even then it's rare and I certainly don't look at the weird, mysterious patties in these fast food places and think, oh my God, that I want it because I appreciate real natural food that's both nutritious and tasty. Anyway, how many people do you see going into these fast food restaurants and ordering tons of junk food with a mask on? Do you know, I saw so, so many of them and I've had discussions with my friends. They have also seen a lot of these people. Most of the time, these people are obese, just saying, which clearly, Makes sense if they're constantly filling their bodies with these really gross foods full of sugar and fat and MSG and God knows what else. Not always the case that these people are visibly unhealthy though. You can be skinny and be very, very unhealthy. Um, there's a reason that things like the BMI scale include very low weights. Um, very low body fat percentages as just as unhealthy because it certainly is and can be. When you ask these people, why are you wearing that mask though? I am absolutely certain that they would say it's to protect me and to protect you. And they'll say it's to protect you too because they want to feel virtuous. When in reality, absolutely every single trial and experiment has shown that masks do just about nothing to stop transmission to others. And they even have a very, very minor, if any, effect on the individual wearing it, acquiring the virus too. And even then, that's only if the person is wearing a high quality medical grade mask, not the flimsy pieces of paper that people have been wearing or fabric that may as well be a thong on your head. 
But yeah, the point being, they will say to you, it's for their health. It's to stop them getting the virus and it's to stop you getting the virus and it's all about health and it's keeping everyone healthy because it's stopping transmission of the virus so it's stopping illness and it's stopping people from dying. I'm sorry, but if you really cared about your health in any way, you would not be obese or you would not be sat on your ass every day refusing to exercise because you're slim and you don't think you need to. And you would not be constantly day in, day out, ordering your fatty, sugary, MSG-filled junk foods that you have no idea what is in them. Your vegan substitutes that are grown in a flipping lab and using that as a tool to make you feel better about yourself. When you have impending, looming health issues hanging over you, if you really, truly cared about your health, you wouldn't. And yet these people wearing masks acted like they were gods of health. Everyone deserves a treat, but these people aren't having it as a treat. And if they were, I would still absolutely laugh at the sheer irony of them wearing a little piece of paper across their face and thinking that that's doing something truly positive for their health, for the health of others while they buy themselves and often their children absolute garbage with no nutritional value. It is so ironic. But Behind the irony is actually a really scary thought because it does show just how manipulated these people have become. Now, the reason that these people believe that that mask does something is because big daddy government, through the media, told them that it would do something. These MPs and politicians stood up on TV and said, if you wear this, it will help. And they didn't have evidence with them. They had no scientific backing, except, of course, the dreaded words, according to the scientists, and even when counter-evidence has come out since, that was enough for people to believe. Now, before I get absolutely berated, I think I might have gone past that point, but you know, this is separate to the case for surgical masks in the surgical environment, of course, that's a different issue. We're, to we're not talking about the medical field. We're talking about your average Joe going into the shops on the high street, pulling out a crumbled piece of paper from his pocket, putting it on just to go into that shop, to browse around, to take it off, throw it back in his pocket, crumpled up, and do the same thing backwards and forwards with the same bloody mask for days. It does nothing. And it's probably worse than never wearing one in the first place. And actually, there's growing evidence for this. Reports of various respiratory illnesses that have been developed um, from the poor and improper use of face coverings. And do not even get me started on how it's affected children's development when reading body language and social cues, when their teachers have had their faces covered, on the colossal buildup of waste being dumped in landfills and the oceans from single-use masks. Where are all the environmental advocates when it comes to this issue? They all went so quiet and they happily put their mask on. And now the oceans are filled with thousands of tons of additional waste that could have been completely prevented. Now, I raise this point about the irony of mask wearers to show just how easily these people were to control in a time of crisis and how they would be just as easily now if that scared again. It's when we're scared. With the pandemic, it was the threat and the fear of being in poor health. And yet so many of those terrified were already in poor health beforehand in ways that they could improve themselves. But instead, they refused to acknowledge those ways because that's within their control. And that would require personal responsibility. 
which we just seem to love to avoid nowadays. And to the naked eye, death by the virus was entirely outside of their control. It was an infectious disease that they just couldn't escape. They were so fearful of this one specific thing that may affect their health, but not scared of the other illnesses, the obesity they already live with, or the poor mental health that plagues their very existence and makes it almost impossible for them to get out of bed in the morning. You are only more scared of that virus because the government has told you to be. No other reason. The government, the media, health organizations, they've told you to be more scared of it. And so you are, you are scared, but that's no reason to be terrified. Because when you are terrified in that way, you'll do anything to reduce the risk, the invented risk. They've got complete control and you're wrapped around their little finger for them to do anything with in that moment. To reset people's minds so as not to simply believe everything the government tells them and to actually start questioning and thinking about what these people are saying is an almost impossible task. Well, people are these two things unhealthy and fearful. And for me to even suggest that we need to help people break free from those two things, from this double-sided matrix that they're entrapped in, that we need people to think for themselves and to not just blindly follow instructions from those above them, even when it's about public health, is so controversial. And it's pretty punishable. It's a form of social suicide in many settings to think outside the box and to question the accepted narrative, especially in what are considered such extreme ways. But I am here saying it because it needs to be said and we must facilitate these discussions. So in summary, we have an obesity epidemic. Poor mental health is plaguing the young and old alike. Many other smaller health endemics are growing we see soaring injuries and deaths from vaccines, though those are primarily unreported. And yet, it is either dehumanizing, fat shaming, anti-vax, or just outright wrong for me to even mention this. While at the same time, we have a populace who will religiously listen to media who are indoctrinating them into blindly following any instructions as set out by the government. We're a nation of physically and mentally unhealthy individuals which is resulting in a nation of slaves to the state. If you're unhealthy, your mind is less clear, you are overwhelmed and you resent those around you who are doing better than you or encouraging change, you're turning against your neighbors. If you're fearful, you shut down the prefrontal cortex, the rational part of your brain and you stop thinking. And it's for those two reasons combined that you're so easy to control and we all fall deeper into this pit of government overreach and destruction of individual liberties at the hands of the state. COVID-19 was just the beginning of it. If we don't start to wake up and work on ourselves, this is only going to get worse and at an exponential rate. So, if you only take one step this year in rebellion against the overreaching elite, make it to work on becoming healthier. Put yourself first and foremost and you'll start to see more clearly and open your mind to the possibility that everything is not quite as it seems. And don't be scared. We all feel fear. It's such a strong emotion, but it's about whether you can handle it and put it into perspective. Getting healthier worked for me, and I'm still really just at the start of this journey too. So please do join me on it.
I'm Charlotte and this is the Sex, Sleep and Red Meat podcast. <laughs>